Good afternoon, good morning, or good evening, and welcome to the American Age Podcast. I am C. Travis Webb, a PhD in comparative literature and editor of the American Age, and today I'm speaking with Seth Rodney and Stephen Fulwood. Gentlemen, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Sure. I'm Seth Rodney. I'm an editor at Hyperallergic, the online arts blog, and I teach a research methodologies course at the New School, and I'm speaking to you from the South Bronx, New York City today. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Stephen G. Forward. I'm the co-founder of the Nomadic Archivist Project, a consulting company that specializes in working with individuals and organizations to shore up their archives, specifically people of African descent. And I am coming from you, coming to you from Planet Harlem. <laughs> it's uh, it's funny because Seth just suggested that we should identify where we're from as a as a market professionalism, and I promptly neglected to do that. And I wonder if it's because I, I'm not really particularly thrilled where I'm speaking to you from. So I live in I live in Orange, California, which is like epicenter of conservative Southern California. So that's that's what I that's where I hang my hat. Is that the right. OC? The OC, right? That that is the OC, Stephen. Thank you for that. <laughs> and, and we should also let, remind our listeners that our show is all about intellectual intimacy. So welcome to that. Yes. Uh, so today we're going to practice intellectual intimacy around a topic that Seth uh, suggested last week. So Seth, I'll just let you intro us, and I know Stephen has some stuff to say about it as well. So precisely, uh, I I did email both of you yesterday. Uh, jotted down, after I jotted down a few thoughts while I was at work. Mm. Basically, uh, this issue was stuck in my craw for a long time. I immigrated from Jamaica when I was around six or seven years old, and I grew up in a city in which I felt constantly held to the standard of essentially a sort of kind of coolness that was commensurate with what I wore, or rather was read through what I wore. So I remember... Uh, and actually, I just thought of this. Uh, I, this might be like the traumatic memory that's at the center of this whole dilemma for me. But mm. I was I was probably seven or maybe eight. And I, my parents had just given me the money to go up the street and buy a new pair of sneakers. And I was so thrilled with these. I remember the name. They were called Jets. And Jets were written on the side. And they were gray mm. and white. And they just looked like... I, I could run faster in them. Mm-hmm. So I bought these shoes and I was like showing off to my friends around the way, Ronnie and Ralphie, uh, and it may have been somebody else. And I showed them my jets and they, they just started clowning me. They just, they're like, oh, you bought jets. Oh, that's rich. And I, like, like, I was mm-hmm. so foolish for having spent money on something that wasn't even in style. And at the time, and mm. this hasn't shifted a lot since the late 70s, Okay, Puma and Adidas uh, were the ascendant styles. Reebok mm-hmm. came in a little bit later. I remember Pumas, actually. That was a big deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, the suede ones with, mm-hmm. uh, yep. with, with the fat laces, the uh, guys yeah. used to rock. So <laughs> the deal is... Since then, I have made it a point of never spending money on athletic gear. I do not. I I had my my mom buy me expensive basketball sneakers when I was in high school, and I always felt guilty about this shit because I knew that I would wear them for a few months, and then that'd be sixty, seventy dollars just gone. Mm-hmm. I 
I, I did break this rule a few years ago when I bought a pair of a high top Adidas for myself when I finally had like a little money squirreled away. And I wore them for maybe, maybe five times. And then I realized that the footbed actually didn't fit me very well. So I just gave them away. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all of this backstory is to say, I it bothers me when I see people around me in my neighborhood, the South Bronx, which is rather economically depressed. It's not, it is not necessarily poor. It is working class. It is a very active, a very active neighborhood. It is not mm-hmm. on the verge of falling mm-hmm. off the map at all. Mm-hmm. But I see people around me as I did when I was a kid in the, in the North Bronx, constantly rocking these really expensive sneakers, and I see them around. Um, I see, I know they're expensive because I see them in advertising magazines and and websites. Mm -hmm. Air Jordans, of course, are are the ones with the most staying power. I mean, there's got to be, I don't know, hundreds of varieties of them. And I see them Mm -hmm. around constantly. And I keep saying to myself, why would you spend $250 on a pair of sneakers when you might save that money for X, Y, or Z? Because I'm, and I'm, and here's where I feel really uncomfortable doing this. I make the assumption that they don't have, the, they're being fiscally irresponsible, or they don't have the means to afford to buy several pairs of those shoes. Mm-hmm. And I'm making these assumptions based on certain cues, right? Certain kind of socio, socioeconomic cues, like how else they're dressed, whether they're pushing a baby carriage, what kind of baby carriage. Uh, uh, where they're shopping, uh, the fact that they're taking public transportation, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I I want to say it bothers me because there's a sense that underneath all of it, mm-hmm. that they are making, they are buying into a claim that their social status has something to do with what they spend money on rather than what they earn or what they culturally produce. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I don't earn anything doing this podcast, but it is, for me, a significant cultural production. And I take some of my self-worth from doing this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, okay. I do not measure my self-worth by the labels that I wear. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the fundamental mistake that is being made. And I think mm-hmm. it's and it's not only being made here in the South Bronx, but it is being propagated by American popular culture. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. So that's my spiel. All right. All right. Steven? Okay. So, Seth, as I mentioned pre-broadcast, I was so excited by this question because it brought up a lot of things for me. And I started writing down notes shortly after we began talking. And I was thinking about, I wanted you to kind of parse, um, or work both of you kind of work with me to parse the, the act of looking at mm. someone who may or may not be able to afford something in a culture that, as you mentioned, is relentless marketing of you about your value in this culture, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I also wanted to sort of, for us to think about the privilege you have of being able to do that from mm. your position, your economic position, your sociological mm. position. And when you said... You don't judge yourself by labels, but we are dealing in labels. I know you're talking about corporate labels, but I'm also talking about who gets to decide who can have what. Okay. So Good. that's kind of Good. where I want to start. Good. 
Great. So it's a little bit of a lot of stuff, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But one of the parts is I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things I would I had thought of about throwing into the mix is one is uh, sort of neurobiological, and then the other is kind of cross cultural. Uh, one, um, the actual impulse to spend when your current circumstance or Future circumstances are uh, not hopeful or are, in fact, bleak. Um, it's uh, it's probably built into us. So mm-hmm. if, you, if your days are that dreary, you're looking for anything that'll pick you up. And so it, it becomes um, the calculation of saving the money for some future day when it might be worth more or purchase you something of more lasting value and the calculation of purchasing a pair of shoes today that are going to make you feel better immediately when, uh, you know, <laughs> you're, you know, you're not even looking at graduating high school or you're not looking at having anything other than like, uh, you know, a 40 plus hour a week job at Walmart um, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. you're looking at your position in the culture um I think it becomes uh, completely understandable that people would choose short-term rewards over long-term gains, um, <laughs> even 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 if even if that's problematic. Secondly, I uh, I think it's it's just the American version of what happens all over the world. So, and I would show, mm-hmm. I would I would I would cite as a couple of examples the completely disproportionate. Uh, outlay and expenditure of religious ceremonies in India mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. in Central America, right? Uh, it, as it relates to yearly income. So, by some estimates, you know, forty to sixty percent of people's annual income is spent on religious ceremonies. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And what? And that is that's about pageantry. That's about mm-hmm. performance. That's about sort of uh, an investment in. A, a cultural signification that is not altogether unlike a pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So th- those are just a couple of things that 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 occurred to me. Even though I I would like to I would like to also own up to the fact that uh, of course I feel similar judgments to Seth mm-hmm. like as as reflexively right. I'm not saying like oh mm-hmm. you know so, somehow I float above it, like absolutely not. Like I see things like that and I'm like what the what the fuck is wrong with you? Like why are you doing that? And right. I myself when I when I was younger have had issues with mm-hmm. overspending you know impulsively and judge myself harshly for that. So mm-hmm. um, so anyway they're just they're they're additional factors but you know not to suggest that um, you know. Uh, somehow I feel disconnected from um, from the problem. So I just want to get meta for a second and 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 see and talk about what what I think ha- is happening to my initial. I'm not even sure if it's an argument. Maybe it's a claim. Mm. What I love is that given what Stephen has so far said and what Travis has so far said to me, I can feel like the very rough edges of the. Let's call it the the sharp blade I held in my hand, right? Which is that uh-huh. <laughs> just immediately start to get sanded down, mm-hmm. right? So that neurobiological argument makes perfect sense to me. The uh, drawing an analogy between uh, spending money on expensive shoes versus uh, on religious ceremonies also makes perfect sense to me. Mm-hmm. Stevens. Mm-hmm. A suggestion that I really think about the sort of politics of my own looking, of my own position, mm-hmm. and how I get to actually sort of 
essentially, I think what Stephen is suggesting, and this is something I do want to delve into, is that there's there's a kind of privileging of my own position as slightly outside of the culture, right? Like I'm saying, I can stand outside this thing, and I'm not really sort of mm-hmm. not really the flaneur. In the world, yeah, but not out of the world. Yeah, yeah. I'm sort of floating and looking and saying, "Oh, look at that!" and "Look at this!" and uh, assuming that I'm not fully immersed in this thing myself. Absolutely, that, right. And that I, uh, I, and, and and I'll be. The f- I, I want to admit right now that it that there is a way in which the social performance of myself is really meaningful to me. I just don't happen to subscribe to Air Jordans. I do think when I go to a particular kind of art event, that's important for me to be dressed in the way that I think is mm. com- comports mm-hmm. with where I see myself in the sort of socioeconomic Absolutely. picture. Right. Mm-hmm. So I am so I am doing that too. And I, I totally recognize it. I think where I would to begin to separate myself out is I would say and this is the story I, I was thinking I would tell, and, 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 and this seems like the appropriate place to tell it. And Travis kind of knows this already. Um, when I left Southern California in 2006 to go to London mm-hmm. to work on this PhD, I was earning around 52000 a year, maybe fifty three, something like that, working at Omani, uh, in uh, Emporio Omani in Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. I was, and I was miserable. Right. For, for other that reasons. Is, that is a fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Travis was there for most, for a lot of that misery. Uh, and, and, he, and he helped, he, he helped mitigate it, frankly. Uh-huh. So I was poor, mm-hmm. dirt poor, from basically 2006 to maybe last year. Last year was the first time I actually mm. made as much money as I had left on the table, essentially, when I left. Southern California. Okay. This this coming year, I do stand to make more. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. But I was poor for almost twelve years, and I, when I say poor, like I earned one six sixteen thousand dollars in two thousand twelve, according to my taxes. Okay. Um. Mm. Uh. And I know that there were years I earned less than that. Mm-hmm. For sure. So, so there were lots and lots of moments in my life as a thirty to forty year old man where. I wasn't earning shit, and I felt bad about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I I didn't have it, uh, so I had to do this sort of ascetic, sort of monk-like. I'm gonna self-denial thing. So when I see myself doing that, there's a part of me that gets disgusted when I think that other people aren't doing the same for themselves. Mm, and mm. it's not fair. I know it's not fair. I, I'm i just glad you said it. That. I'm so glad you said it. <laughs> <laughs> I can just like pass over a few so things I, I wanted to say. So that's perfect. Yeah, okay, please so I, no, please well, do. I, well, let's, let's, let's try and get into it a little bit because I okay. don't know that that's unfair. Mm. So I, I, I mean, of course, there's a significant part of me that goes like, yeah, of course, that's not fair, blah, blah, blah. I come up with a host of reasons for it. But I'm talking about like everyday world of how bodies interact and how we move through the world. Is that not a little bit fair? Is it not fair for Seth to hold up his own choices and own sacrifices as worthwhile and perhaps worthy of emulation over... Over other, other, over other, and I'm going to let you jump back in because honestly, I, 
I'm I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate, not not in a sense that I'm like trying on a hat I don't think that has validity. I'm just, uh-huh. of course, I see some other aspects to the argument, but but I don't know that that what Seth is describing isn't a valid place from which to uh, evaluate other people's choices. I think it's simply a place, a perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's you know, and, and neither one of you suggested that it is the place to be. But mm-hmm. it is a place. And so the mm-hmm. frustration that you feel about seeing people who may be overspending or not, you know, saving or whatever it is. So I was curious about your frustration with the apparatus mm. that allows for a lot of this to happen. Mm. And so that was one of my main questions. And I, I was thinking, mm. well, it's easy. It's almost like anti-black sentiment. It's very easy to adopt. And so it's very easy to say, what are those poor people doing? And I grew right. up around people like that. My dad's that, that kind of guy. And I was like, dad, you know, he would say a man isn't a man if he's not working. I'm like, what if there are no jobs? Oof. What about intergenerational poverty? What about being undereducated, being um, miseducated? What about all these sort of factors that, as well as the war on poor people, not the war on poverty, right? right. right? Which is what I was coming up with because- Right. So just a very brief um, perspective in terms of being transparent, where I come from, I remember going to school and we had, I lived in a working class to poor um, family. That's how I grew up. And I remember going to school, I think I was in the second or third grade, and I came to school with a shirt that was torn. But for mm. some reason, I didn't think about it. <laughs> I was just kind of going along and enjoying my life. And my teacher mm. tells me, well, I want you to go to the um, principal's office, right? And the principal, I sat there, and I remember sitting there, and the principal came over and said, um, one of the, t- uh, not the principals, but a secretary said, um, I want you to go over to that box and pick out any shirt you want. And I was like, okay, great. So I picked out this yellow shirt that had all these, um, that was checkered, and I was so excited about this yellow shirt, about getting it. But it only occurred to me later on, by the way I was being treated by my classmates, that I was poor. Mm-hmm. And that my mother, oddly enough, didn't catch me in that shirt. I think it was a play shirt, but I just was, I was so interested in just wearing what I wanted to wear Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, that 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 stood out as a moment of clarity for me about your value is with what you wear and your value is with what other people say it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I'm like you, Steph, I was like very anti-label and very anti all through high school and much of my life. I'm still not... I still, um, I cast a weary eye on people who solely judge people by what it is that they look like, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's what they wear or how they look. And I think but that- wouldn't we, yeah, no, I, I hear that, but wouldn't we cast the same, uh, I'm actually just seconding you here. There's really, I'm not arguing. Is it, oh. w- wouldn't we cast, wouldn't we judge the same, uh, like sort of reflexive, uh, knee-jerk response of someone that was judgmental about where other people went to school or well, no, you know, where, what kind of books they read or what kind of restaurants they eat at or, mm. or whatever. Intellectual, but the, parsing it, really, we're talking about whether or not you have the right to be here or whether or not you have a right to your own life choices. That's what mm. we're getting at. Mm. So, okay, but so the can, bottom I, line, can I... Well, I just want to say one I, more thing. No, no, please. Yeah, yeah, please. The bottom please, my impatience with it is that we're not looking mm-hmm. at sometimes what the invisible parts of it. We're looking at... Um, we're looking at people blaming people for the choices that they've made because they don't agree with our choices and the choices that we think we should be agreeing with. We're not looking at the structure of the U.S. 
We're not looking at tax breaks for rich and for the corporations. We're not looking at uh, those things with any for, the same critique. Well, mostly because we only have 30 minutes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know. Really, trust me. There's a lot of this <laughs> book. There's a lot. No, 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 but I want to but let me just jump in and say say this really quickly. Actually, Stephen, I am. When I, okay. when those things that you just mentioned, okay. critiquing the structure of mm-hmm. uh, essentially social value. Mm-hmm. I absolutely do that. Okay. And I do I do it in my intellectual life, I do it in my daily life. I actually do critique when I have the opportunity uh, mm-hmm. the the financial uh, arrangements, uh, le- rather legal framework that allow people who are wealthy, already wealthy, mm-hmm. allow to corporations to take yes, to take mm-hmm. fuller advantage of mm-hmm. us. Oh yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I absolutely hate that. So I, I, to a great extent, I'm a sort of equal opportunity. I don't know what the nice way of saying it is. Critiquer? Um, what? <laughs> Critiquer? Critic. Critiquer. Critic, yeah. I like that. Critiquer. I'll take that. <laughs> I am. Uh, uh, and I recognize, again, that those that moment that I see that person, and thank you for reminding me of this, both of you. When that moment when I see that person pop up into my sight, right? And mm-hmm. my sight is, 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 is sort of doing all this sort of parsing okay. uh, as I look at them. I do not see the invisible parts of their lives. There are, rather, there's lots of parts of their lives that are invisible of course. to me. Mm-hmm. Right? And I am making judgments on just what I can grok in that moment of mm-hmm. sight. I see. I so see. can I can can I can I also can I say that Stephen, you have essentially made the argument for capitalism, when you say that people should be allowed to do what they want to do and and be what they want to be and mm-hmm. not have that regulated. And I regulated is a heavy handed word. It's just mm. what came to mind. I don't I don't mean that in um in laissez in a sort of laissez faire way, but I just mean mm-hmm. not have that circumscribed by people who know better. That is essentially. A capitalist ethic, which you are essentially and 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 I actually <clears throat> this is see I actually think that the whole anti capitalism uh-huh. uh, sort of boogeyman like knee jerk reflex reaction uh-huh. I, I and we should do we probably can't do a podcast on it it's too it's too long a, a conversation but I actually think that it is born out of. Um, the long history of contemptus mundi in the West. Contemptus mundi meaning contempt for the material world. Mm-hmm. And and, mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. I, I think that I think I do not fear fundamental human appetites. And I mm. and I think that, you know, the the reason that the largest market on the uh, online is pornography is because people like to fuck. Like and 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 so I, I don't I don't I don't have a problem with that. And I think that a lot of, I think, you know, I mean, one of the areas of where you could, uh, where you could sort of earmark a great deal of freedom of expression is around the varieties of pornography that exist. And Mm -hmm. so I, 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 and this is, that is just like naked, stripped bare capitalism. People put these sites up, they film people fucking, they do all this stuff because they're going to get eyeballs on it. Right. So I don't, so I, I think that I, not, I think that I have less, um, skepticism in my forties now 
um, about the evil. I mean, I have more skepticism about the line of argument that that immediately brands the evil of capitalism as the heart of our problem in the United States. I think the heart of our problem in the United States is a lack of of principles and virtues and, and a certain lack of ethical center. But mm-hmm, but anyway, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't want that's t- I, I don't want to go too far off topic because I do want to stay with Seth's shoes and I do want to say, and I think, and I think you had a valid response, but I, I, it was just listening to what you were asking for Seth out of that moment Mm -hmm. to me felt like a pretty solid justification for some kind of economic liberty. So I'm sorry, go ahead. I just want to say thank you very much for that. That's all I want to say because I'm going to think about that. <laughs> okay. 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 And let me can I can I excise economic and say material liberty? I actually mean I mean it on a deeper level because these shoes mean more to the people than two hundred and fifty dollars. That's not what it means. To oh them, no, absolutely. Right? Not, which is which is a good point to make. Thank you for that. Again, I feel like this claim that I came in that came in the uh, room with, which was bright and sharp, is now like sanded down to like a butter knife. So <laughs> let me... You can still shiv some people with a butter knife. Well, so. well, right. but, but let me say this. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> I, I love that the conversation has taken me to the place where I realize that there are certain things that I'm doing in that moment of judgment, right? There, there are, there are, There are things that I wasn't fully aware I was doing, which is putting them on some sort of hierarchy in my head of validity, right? I'm basically mm-hmm. saying, yes, your life choices are not the life choices that I would make. Uh, and, and I am saying it to an extent, they seem ill-advised, right? That's what I'm saying to myself. I am mm-hmm. saying that they seem ill-advised. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think there's this, underneath even that, there's a sense of, I don't want to live in a culture in which we are constantly being told that this is the way to have validity. And that's Uh also problematic to me, Uh right? Like, you're right. The shoes are worth much more Uh than $250 to the the folks who wear them. But my problem is, why is it that you need to find, why is that the way that your sense of validity gets shunted or gets, gets, gets directed? Uh, Why is it directed towards these things? I mean, they're always directed towards different things, right? This, as mm-hmm. Travis had mentioned earlier, the religious ceremonies eat up between 40 and 60% of uh, uh, lots of people's salaries around the world. Right. I guess what I'm looking for is a way for us, I guess what I, what I seek in that moment of looking at folks around me is someone who says, actually, I'm just going to do it differently. My sense of validity is not going to be wrapped up in any of the aforementioned things. Mm. Maybe maybe it is wrapped up. I mean, I remember when I used to go to people's homes and I'd um and you know, we, we used to be able to judge people by the kind of C D collection they had, right? Mm. So you know <laughs> you know, you go in and you're like, oh, they have Yaz upstairs at Eric's. Okay, that, that's that's kinda cool. Um mm-hmm. uh oh they listen to UB forty. Oh, what's going on with them? <laughs> um uh, know, but but I but I, I do know. that but I, <laughs> but I do that with books. I'm like, if I go to a person's house and they have like 
quote unquote serious books, I'm like, oh, my estimation of them starts to rise, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So there's a way in which I guess I'm. This is Bourdieu, for... by the way. You were you were making Bourdieu's argument. I mean, I I, I mean from I mean th- yeah. this this I I this way I we know. draw uh, the way we uh, socially stratify ourselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. And, mm-hmm. I know. And, and the I thing know. is so. Of course, I, I respond the same ways. I feel the same things. Um, in the end, we still sit on the same toilet or squat in the same way. We mm. still have a limited lifespan here on Earth. Uh, we still are craven and hungry. And um, it, no matter what we read, no matter how sophisticated we are, no matter how lettered we are, no matter how righteous mm-hmm. and socially um, uh, armored we are, Mm-hmm. against ethical criticisms we still are um you know i'm sorry go ahead Seth. you were gonna say <laughs> oh, a minute oh, oh, oh. i was Seth wait, was, wait. Seth, Seth was very smoothly telling us how much time we had left and i was thinking he was signaling so so anyway uh i'll leave it at that i, I just i think that uh, i think what Seth is describing and what I, I feel like steven is is objecting to or pushing back on um is you know th- that we're kind of in the same uh, round blue boat. Yeah. 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 The precise summing up of what you just said, Travis, is funny to me because it's like, we're all just people. We're all just trying to get along. <laughs> Why can't we just get along? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> I think I, I, I think I did bring a knife to a, a gunfight. And so now I'm ready to, I, you know, I am ready. I'm ready to push back on a lot of things. But I think that um, it was really helpful for you to say this. Um, so, an ar- you know, some of the points that I made were an argument for capitalism. I'm, I'm going to pull, like I said, I'm going to, pull that apart and kind of think about it because I think I'm interested in individualism that's not constantly impacting other people's way of trying to live. Mm. And I also want, I'm also pushing back and thinking about the sort of apocalyptic sensibility that isn't, that's pretty much, pretty much seems to be an element of the way that we think right now. We need to get this Mm -hmm. done and we need to have this because the world seems so short Mm. and there's global warming Mm. and there's this. And so there's always been a part of Christianity that feels apocalyptic, where it's like you'll get your reward in heaven you, as long as you act right here, sort of, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of want to bring that apocalyptic nature in with the expensive shoes part, because who's to say you're going to live tomorrow? Hmm. Yeah. So there's absolutely. this idea that, you know, put money away, put money in this. Dude, I left a job where I was making a decent amount of money to mm-hmm. consult. And I made that choice based on kind of what tra- uh, what um, Seth mentioned or whatever. I was miserable, um, and I wanted to do other things. Mm-hmm. So my choices largely reflect who I am in this moment. It's mm-hmm. not to say things might change or change in a different way that I anticipate, but I'm very, 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 very um, hypersensitive around who gets to be valued in this culture and who shows up to enforce it socially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. And and with that, I want to say, we I think we should move on to talking about what we might talk about the next time. And actually, we had an idea pre the podcast, but I think what you just said is something that is really provocative, Stephen, and I want to pursue it. What does apocalypse mean for us? Like, how does <laughs> yeah. apocalypse, like, change the way we think about the world and about culture? I love that. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I was actually going to propose the same thing. Uh, so... 
Um, I, I think that should be our topic of uh, next time. Same, but, same page, same sheet of music. Okay, the gentlemen. sense of an ending. <laughs> an ending. That's what it is. <laughs> Thank you for this. Thank you for enlightening me. Thank you for getting me to think quite seriously about the way I look at the world. Thank you yeah. for doing the same. The same, for me. same for you too. Um, all right, uh, it was good talking to you guys, and uh, we will speak next week about apocalypses. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Over and out. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs>